Um, this morning, I want to jump right into Scripture, and then what we're going to do um, for the rest of the morning is just unpack these, uh, these powerful pieces of Scripture that we're going to read in the very beginning here. Um, I think most of you know this, but the Bible is broken, broken into two parts. You have the Old Testament, and you have the New Testament. Basically, the old is everything before Jesus walked this earth, and the new is everything after Jesus walked this earth. And all throughout the Old Testament, right from the very beginning to the end of the Old Testament, it is, it is, is talking and referring to and speaking towards what's going to happen in the new. And starting in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3.15, God makes a promise to, to, um, of all people, he makes a promise to Satan in the Garden of Eden. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, someone would, would come, the Bible's saying, who wouldn't just cause the devil a small setback, or wouldn't just come along and, and cause a minor loss in the cosmic battle between evil and good, but what the Bible's saying here is that someone was going to come who was going to crush Satan and all the powers of darkness. And so humanity waited hoping for the arrival of this, this one. Later on, about 700 years before Jesus is born, the prophet Isaiah, much like God in the very beginning, he addresses the nation of Israel, um, this nation that at the time was bound up, enslaved, broken, poor in every way. Isaiah comes along, he makes a prophecy about someone who's coming. He foretells that someone would come who would proclaim good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. This someone would be a great light, bringing freedom, bringing healing. And so again, humanity waits for this someone to arrive. And then jumping ahead in your Bible to, to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, Jesus, approximately 30 years after he was born, he made a proclamation that would have either intrigued his Jewish audience or made them so mad that they wanted to kill him. He announces that the waiting is over. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to do what? To fulfill them. To fulfill them. And this morning, I want to spend our, our, our time talking about hopes and expectations and disappointment and, and fulfillment. You know, one of the most difficult parts of life is when you get your hopes up for something only to have that thing that you hoped for not come to pass. Instead of a hope fulfilled, you're left waiting. Two Christmases ago, Becky and I, we made a really big mistake at Christmas. Every Christmas Eve, one of the traditions that we have is that every kid gets one gift from dad and mom. rest of the parents, presents, I mean, they get, they get uh, opened up on Christmas morning. And we have a very specific reason for that. It's because the big guy comes the night before Christmas, wink, wink, not the afternoon before Christmas Eve. And so uh, we, we, we get our kids this one gift on Christmas Eve. And, and unlike the rest of the gifts, everybody kind of knows what the gift is going to be on Christmas Eve. In fact, even you probably know what the gift is going to be on Christmas Eve, right? PJs, jammies, pajamas, whatever it is you happen to call them in your home. But on that faithful Christmas two years ago, Becky and I decided that we were going to mix things up a little bit. And I, and I just remember what it was like as a kid. I was you know, kind of excited for PJs on Christmas Eve, but I wasn't super excited. So I thought, 
we're going to do something different this Christmas Eve. We're going to give them a gift that's going to be a true surprise. We're not going to give them PJs. And they'll be so excited that they got something different. Big mistake. I never understood how much kids can be traditional until that moment. It was almost as if we'd announced that we were canceling Christmas Day. The, the looks on their face as they tore open the wrapping paper, the disappointment was all over their faces. I mean, we could have had iPhones, brand new iPhones waiting in those gifts, and I'm pretty sure they would have been just as disappointed because there was no PJs. Parenting tip for all of you newer parents, don't mess with the PJs, okay? Don't mess with them. Just don't do it. Apparently, our kids go into Christmas Eve hoping for PJs. And not just PJs for the sake of PJs, but hoping for the nostalgia and the, 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 the tradition, the childlike delight that they get when they open that carefully wrapped package of PJs. And, and you can probably think of a Christmas when you were a kid where something maybe similar happened. Um, maybe you were hoping for one thing and you ended up getting something entirely different, something that was far less exciting. It stinks, though, when your hope is dashed to the ground when it's left in this place of just being unfulfilled. However, as much as we dislike waiting uh, with unfulfilled hope, isn't it great whenever hope does get fulfilled? You're, you're expecting something, you've got, you've got something in mind for the future, and you're hoping for this thing to come, come to pass, and it actually happens, and it's just this amazing um, feeling that you get inside. My favorite way to shop is on my computer, Amazon.com is my store, and it doesn't matter what it is that I'm buying, whether it's Christmas or any time throughout the year, I love reading those words, your package will arrive by, whatever date that it says. It instantly fills me with hope. Now, yes, it's a very shallow kind of hope, but nevertheless, there's hope. I get all warm and fuzzy inside. Amazon is getting ready to fulfill my order. But even better than waiting with, with hope and expectancy for the package to arrive is the moment that our beloved UPS driver, big shout out to Campbell, uh, arrives at the door and drops and rings the doorbell, dropping the package off. And when you hear that doorbell, you know it's the package, you almost get the, the, the feeling inside like Santa has come and rung the doorbell and dropped presents off at the front door. It's, it's amazing. I open the door, I see that box, and for all I care, it could be socks, it could be new forks and knives. Seeing it makes me feel like an eight-year-old kid inside. Is anybody with me on that this morning? My order has been fulfilled. I was hoping, waiting for it to arrive, and now here it is, wrapped in a beautiful brown cardboard box. So much of life, and especially this Christmas, uh, any Christmas season, is getting our hopes up for something, and sometimes that hope is fulfilled, but honestly, a lot of times it isn't, and instead, we're left waiting with unfulfilled hope. Maybe for you, you hope uh, this will finally be the year that you figure out how to have a Christmas that is stress-free, uh, debt-free, and is truly peace on earth inside your heart, and you hope that this is going to be the year, and, and I personally approach every Christmas this way, and this season has already been dashed to the ground. Um, this last week, the, the hopes, uh, we had a pretty serious medical emergency with Becky's dad, which turned out to be okay. Six of the seven people in my home got the flu bug. I mean, that's not stress-free, peace-on-earth kind of Christmas living. Maybe for someone else, it's a hope that's, that's bigger than just a season. Maybe 
God made some promises to you that had to do with, with maybe your, your family, your kids, and, and you've just been waiting for them to be fulfilled, hoping, wondering if God is going to come through. For somebody else, he's doing this work in your life, and you're hoping to experience a deeper freedom inside your soul. Maybe you're just tired of self-centered living, and, and you have this hope, this expectation that God is going to give you a greater capacity to love others and to just think outside of yourself. You're hoping for change, but the process has been so, so slow. You're waiting for the job to be done, for the work to come to fruition, but it's just not happening, and you're waiting with this, this unfulfilled hope of what God's going to do in your life. God knows a thing or two about waiting for a hope to be fulfilled. From the beginning of time, starting with that, that promise that we read earlier on in the Garden of Eden, and then extending all the way through the entire Old Testament narrative, God is constantly stirring up hope in his people, telling them about someone who is going to come deliver them. Someone is going to come along who is going to crush the head of the enemy. And then they wait in hope. Then, then God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. You're, you're going to become the father of many nations. And, and Abraham waits in hope. Then God comes along to David and he says, hey, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord is God and has made the, his light to shine on all of us. It's this, this prophecy about how one is going to come who's going to be this great light. And then David and all of Israel wait. They wait, hoping for a deliverer, a savior, a Messiah who's going to come and save them. It's estimated that throughout the Old Testament, there are 575 prophecies about Jesus. From general prophecies about how he's going to be a blessing, he's going to be a light, to very specific prophecies about the location that he's going to be born. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, or about how he's going to be born to a virgin, or about how he'll receive stripes on his back, wounds for our healing. 575 prophecies in the Old Testament where God comes along and, and puts this hope in them, says this is what's going to happen, and they're left waiting, expecting this to happen. Mathematicians say that the odds of Jesus fulfilling even 48 of the 575 prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 177th or 157th power. That's a lot of zeros right there. That's a ton of zeros. Um, this scientist named Peter Stoner, he's the author of a book called Science Speaks, and he's calculated that the chances of any man fulfilling all these prophecies would be like putting silver dollars across the entire state of Texas, two feet deep, and then putting an X on just one of them, then blindfolding a person and having them pick out the coin marked with the X on the very first try. That's not very good odds. Wouldn't it be smart to bet the farm on those odds? And yet Jesus comes along and he does it. He fulfills every prophecy, every promise. And we see that Jesus coming, it actually reveals a lot about the way that God fulfills our, our hope. A lot about how God fulfills our expectancy. One thing that it shows us is that God, about God, is that when God gives his people hope, it's never empty. When God gives his people hope, it is never empty. We've all had that person in our lives, right, who, who comes along and they give us this kind of like false hope, but it never ends up getting fulfilled, and so pretty soon it becomes empty hope. Um, I used to live up in northern B.C., Many years ago, when I lived up in northern BC, I did a lot of hunting. 
And when I first moved up there, I didn't really know the area at all, so I went to this one guy, this grizzled old northern BC guy who just kind of knew the back, was like the back of his hand kind of guy. And uh, I'd ask this guy, uh, where's the best place to go hunting moose? And he would, uh, every time I would ask him, he would say, he, he, he would point out this spot to go hunting, and uh, I'd get there, he'd be like, he'd say, uh, you just show up at 4.30 in the morning, and he would re- use phrases like, you show up at 4.30 in the morning, and it's going to be like picking daisies in a field. They're going to be everywhere. So I get there at 4.30 in the morning, and what I see? Nothing. So I go back to the guy and say, hey, that spot didn't really work out so well. He'd have some good reason why it didn't work out so well. He would pick out another spot for me to go. And again, he's got all these like promises, just make it sound so good. Oh, yeah, there'll be moose everywhere. The hardest part's going to be deciding which one that you want to shoot. And I show up. Nothing. Eventually, I stopped asking this guy because the hope that he offered was empty. It was, it was never fulfilled. And you got to know God is not like that. When he offers hope, when he makes a promise, like we sang about this morning, he is a promise keeper. He fulfills it. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it as he's writing to the church of Corinth. And if you're here today... And you're wondering if what God said, what he promised, is really going to be fulfilled. Just let these words this morning sink into to your heart and soul. The Bible says, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. Not sometimes, not just when he's feeling like it, not just when he's having a good day. He always, the Bible says, does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding what? A resounding yes. Our God is a promise keeper. Not some of God's promises have been fulfilled, but all of God's promises. Jesus birthed his life, his resurrection, once and for all settled any question about whether or not our God keeps his promises. It settled it. Once and for all, he does keep his promises. Every time, he always does what he said. Like I said earlier, one of the things that I love to do is shop with Amazon. And uh, a lot of times, when you buy a product on Amazon, um, you probably know this, but when you buy a product on Amazon, it's not actually made by Amazon. It's made and sold by, by, by some other company that you've never heard of. And this last week, I was looking at some electronics, and they were made by companies like Tri-Valley Electronics or Microbe, just two of the companies. Anybody ever heard of either of those companies? Most likely not. Uh, but I'll still order from these companies. And I'll, I'll still uh, put my, my card information there in Amazon and send my money out into the cloud to, to who knows where it's going, right? It's going to some company that I've never heard of, but, but I have no problem doing that. Why? Because on Amazon's website, right beside the name of the, the unknown little company are these three magical words, fulfilled by Amazon, sold by Tri-Valley, Microbee, who the heck knows who they are, but it's fulfilled by Amazon. And those words give me this assurance, and maybe you've had a bad experience with Amazon. This is just not applying to you this morning at all. I get it. But for me, uh, it gives me this assurance 
assurance, this hope, because I do know Amazon. I have experience with them. When they say a package is coming, I know it's coming. They haven't let me down even once. And maybe you're here today struggling in some sort of valley. You're wondering whether or not God is going to see you through to the other side. You can have peace and be filled with hope today because God always fulfills his promises. He's not some sketch dude out there that you don't even know if you can really count on him. He's God Almighty. There's no lie in him. There's no deception. When he says it, you can believe it. When he promises, you can take it to the bank every single time. Did God give you a vision, a dream, maybe a picture of the future about what he would do in your life, maybe a work that he wanted to do through you, or maybe he, it had something to do with your healing, your freedom, it's not happening, and all you've done is wait and then wait some more, rest assured this morning. Listen, rest assured God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. He will fulfill his promises. He always does what he says he will do. Which brings us to something else about the way God fulfills that's important for us to know and understand this morning. When he does come through, it's not always in the way that we're expecting him to. It's not always in the way that we're expecting him to. For one thing, his, his timing is never, it seems it's never the same timing that we have. The first time that God lets us know that someone is coming to deliver is way back in the Garden of Eden. It would be thousands of years before Jesus shows up. Remember this, this guy, Abraham? God promises him that he's going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's like, okay, I'm a young buck. Let's go. Uh, let's, let's get this going right now. I'm young. It takes a lot of energy to have kids. So, so God, let's go father of many nations right now. And God's like, nope. You're going to be 100 years old. And your wife, Sarah, is going to be 90 years old when you have, have the, the promised son. Timing matters with God. And, and I think all of us on some level, we, we understand this, this whole timing piece and how important timing is. Timing is, is actually really important when you stop and you, you look back on your life and you think about how your life has gone, um, how you met your spouse. I mean, if you just think of all the different things and the timing that had to co come together for that to happen, um, how you got that job, maybe uh, how you avoided that accident, when you think through how the timing came down to like just the milliseconds. Timing matters, and, and God's timing isn't always the same as your timing, but it's always the right timing, always. The Apostle Paul, in describing Jesus' death on the cross, he says this, he says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. On the whole scope of human history, Paul says, hey, it was at just the right time. God's timing isn't a moment too soon. It's not a moment too late. He always is right on time. But a lot of the time, it's not when we think it should be. And, and so his timing isn't what we, we, we think it should be. But then on top of that, not only is that different, but the way he fulfills the promise doesn't necessarily look like the way that we think it should. It's different. The people of Jesus' day, they're expecting the Savior to show up on the scene who's going to be the deliverer. They had in their, their heads what this is going to look like. They, they probably saw this 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 valiant soldier riding in on a, a white stallion who, who's going to set up a, a castle and thrones and all that. And how does Jesus show up? A crying little baby in a manger, totally helpless and dependent on others. And then, then they expected this Savior at some point to establish this powerful earthly kingdom that was going to just wipe out all their enemies 
and bring this peace on earth um, with, with, with kings and thrones and all that kind of stuff. They never in their wildest imagination saw the promises of God being fulfilled when their Savior hung on a cross and died. Now, I don't know what it is that you're waiting for God to do for you, but maybe you think he isn't coming through, but in reality, he just might be. It just looks different than you expected it to. Sometimes what's required is that, that you begin to see your situation differently, and rather, rather than see your situation through the eyes of doubt and questioning and wondering and disappointment, you begin to see your situation through the eyes of faith, believing that, believing that God always fulfills what he says he's going to do. It just might look different than you expect it to. Jesus' birth, his life, his resurrection, it reveals something else about the way that God fulfills hope. He brings clarity and meaning to that which, which doesn't make sense. He brings clarity and meaning to that which doesn't make sense. When he fulfills, he brings, he brings the meaning. When Jesus shows up on the, on the scene and proclaims that he has fulfilled the law and the prophets, um, what he's basically saying with that phrase is uh, he, he's saying that the entire Old Testament portion of the Bible has been fulfilled. Referring to the law and the prophets uh, together like that was a standard Jewish way of referring to the entire Old Testament. And part of what Jesus meant when he said that he was fulfilling it was that he was going to bring it to its complete meaning. He was going to bring all of the Old Testament to its complete meaning. And so much of what happened to God's people in the Old Testament, it just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. But in Jesus, all of a sudden the whole picture comes together. All the rituals of the Old Testament the sacrifices of the Old Testament for the forgiveness of sins, it all pointed to how Jesus was going to be the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross. And it brought the meaning of the Old Testament sacrifices to completion. All the hardships. You read through the Old Testament portion of the Bible and there's hardships and difficulties and valleys. Um, they're being uh, constantly oppressed by foreign countries, countries like Egypt and Persia and Rome. But it all pointed to how Jesus was going to be the one who was going to ultimately rescue them, ultimately deliver them, ultimately bring them freedom. Jesus fulfills what happened in the Old Testament. He brings clarity and meaning to that which doesn't make sense. And God is still working this way today. You know, how many times have you gone through a dark valley in life? And, and I know some of you here this morning you're here and you're in the middle of something and you're just here looking for something, clinging on to anything that you can to help get you through. But you, you've gone through a dark valley. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the rejection by, by people you thought were your closest friends. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you didn't expect. Maybe it struggles within your family. And in the middle of that valley, what's the first question that we ask? Why? Why, God, am I going through this? The valley doesn't make any sense. You want to know if it has meaning, if there's a purpose in it. And the answer in Jesus is always yes. It does have meaning. One of the greatest hopes that we have as followers of Jesus is that our pain and our suffering is never meaningless. It's not meaningless. God takes that which doesn't make any sense and he brings clarity and he brings meaning to it. Now that's not to diminish any pain and suffering that you might be going through. It's not to say that it still isn't really, really hard. It's not to say that when someone you love is going through something, um, you tell them that it's just, it has meaning. 
Uh, they probably actually in that moment just more than anything else don't need answers. They just need you to be present and to support them and to care for them. But what it does say is that no matter how hard it gets, as a follower of Jesus, there is always hope. Always hope. Who would have thought that Jesus, as he's, he's suffering the, the, the horrors of the cross, that his pain and his suffering would have meaning? But it did. It meant our salvation. It meant our healing. It meant our freedom. The restoration of our broken relationship with God. And it, it works the same way with us. I love what Scripture says. And this is the, the Apostle Paul speaking again to a church in Corinth. And, and listen again to what he, what he says here about um, about pain and suffering and how there's always meaning in it. He says this. He says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that, and that phrase so that, so that, it, it always indicates purpose. He, he says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. He's saying here that there is purpose. When you're weighed down with with troubles, there's purpose in it. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Has anybody ever been in that situation before? Crushed, overwhelmed beyond our, uh, our own ability to endure. And we, we, didn't, we, didn't, had, we didn't think we were going to make it through it. It was so bad. And then Paul goes on to say, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, and here comes the meaning in the being crushed. God has purpose in it. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. There's purpose in it. There is meaning to the, the pain and the suffering, there, when, when, when the promises go unfulfilled, when you're expecting God to do something and it ends up looking different or it ends up just being entirely different than you thought it would be, God, God comes along and says, hey, I, I fulfill what you're going through. I, I'm going to bring it to completion. There is meaning to your pain and suffering. You might not see it now as you're right in the thick of it, as you're right in the middle of it. You might not see it But God wants you to know this morning that there is purpose and there is meaning. That he's going to fulfill whatever it is that he's doing in your life. He's going to fulfill whatever it is that he's doing in the the people around you. He's got got meaning to it. Our God is a God who fulfills and he brings it to complete meaning. Life, as you know, is, is, is filled with not only fulfillment but disappointment. Yes, sometimes um, what we hope for happens just the way that we thought it it would, but a lot of times, if we're honest this morning, it doesn't. Um, The Christmas season, it's so um, often reminds us that this is just how life works. There's all the hopes that go into um, a cozy, sentimental season with friends and family, and and, and, uh, sometimes it happens. Other times, it can be one of the loneliest, loneliest seasons that there is. Then there's all the hopes that go into Christmas Day and 
for the next 16 days, kids will be waiting, expectant, hoping for what's going to be under that tree on Christmas morning. Sometimes the wish list gets fulfilled. A lot of times, it doesn't. There's both fulfillment and there's disappointment. And then there's this, the, the Christmas story itself. Before Jesus' birth, before he shows up on the scene, God's people waiting, waiting, waiting hundreds, even thousands of years for a promise to be fulfilled. And along the way, there is, there's fulfillment, but along the way, there's a lot of disappointment. There were questions. Did God really mean what he said he, he was going to do? Did he really mean that? Did he just make a mistake? Was he just setting us up for false hope? Disappointment. Was he just getting all the, their hopes up for nothing? But then a baby is born. A baby is born. A baby who, who, who's going to be the light of the world, revealing to us, revealing to you how God brings everything to its complete meaning, and he fulfills his promises. And as we wrap up this morning, what, what place are you in today? Where are you at today? Are you waiting in hope? You know, despite the timing of, of your situation, despite the suffering that you might be experiencing right now, despite the way that life has gone for you, are you waiting in hope? Are you, are you still expectant? Or are you filled with disappointment today? Are you feeling just hollow inside and, and, and heavy? And, and God wants you to know today that there is hope for you. There's hope. It's not found in having your life line up exactly how you think it should or exactly how you expect that it should. It's not found in everything coming together in your timing and in your way. It's not found in getting something that you've always wanted. No, your hope is not found in something. It's found in someone. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. Jesus comes along. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what a promise that is. That when we live in the light of Jesus, when, when, we, uh, when we abide in the shadow of his wings, when we rest assured that he is a promise keeper, a way maker, we won't walk in darkness, but instead we have this, his, his glorious, beautiful light, his life, his hope burning within us. Don't lose heart. Did you hear me this morning? Don't lose heart. Somebody walked in today, you're on the verge of losing heart. God wants you to know this morning, don't lose heart. He is a God who fulfills his promises. He is a God who's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. Don't lose heart. Instead, put your hope in Jesus, the God who, who always fulfills. Put your hope in him today. Amen.